Thanks for choosing this podcast by New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of East Toledo. Let us join together in worship and growth. In Jesus' name, amen. because I'm taking this from Pastor Dan today because he's stuck out for a moment. Are there any announcements, Alicia? Team leader meeting this afternoon. There is a team leader this afternoon, directly after service. Ready to five minute break? Yep. Is there anything else? That's all we got right this second. All right. Supposed to have baptisms, but right now my two candidates for baptism are not currently here, so we'll see if come in late. It's ready. It's ready. We're ready. All right. Well, Dan, go ahead and open us up in prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Father in heaven, this is your day. When we look at the world, the state of the world, the pandemic, political state, choice of our country, the challenges that we face, challenges in education, challenges in running a household, challenges in, in life in general. Lord, we're reminded in 
in no small way where it says, consider it all joy when you face all manner of trials and tribulations. Everybody wants to make that about persecution. But there's a lot of sources of trials and tribulations. We recognize there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things going wrong, and Lord, in our midst, there's a lot of things going right. We confess to you that we don't understand fully. We don't know how this whole thing works. We get the gospel and that Jesus died for us and we're living for him and that we ought to be about that. Those of us who are saved, we sense your Holy Spirit at work in us. We feel his direction. We hear his voice at times correcting us, directing us, convicting us, leading us to a better understanding. Or we come together to worship you because, well, let's see, because you're worthy of worship, because it's a thing that you gave us to do, because as we do that as a spiritual discipline, we chase away those spirits, distractions, temptations, and overcome trials and tribulations. It's, it's a practice that we can do, and yet, so many folks who are going through it right now, who aren't practicing that discipline, and other disciplines that you've blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us, providing us, protecting us. Thank you for help and strength and for a desire to look to you and be guided. Thank you for wisdom and discernment. Lord, thank you for your love. Ask me now to take over this service. Ask you to lead every note that's strummed and every key that's pushed and every voice that's uplifted and every word that's cried out and every praise God and every amen and every heart that seeks you. Lord, I pray for those that we do know who are sick. I pray for Jason just now, Lord, and the headache that he has. And then I pray, Lord, uh, you just just heal him up. Help him let it go as he lifts his voice and as he strains to sing or strains to honor you with his presence. Lord, we just we know that even elsewhere in this room, there are people overcoming burdens and barriers. And he can do it too by your power and by your strength. I pray for those who are to come to be baptized today. They're young. And they got a family about them. They got things to deal with. And so pray, Lord, that they're able to overcome those things and be here, be baptized. And pray that it, it signifies great growth in the kingdom. That's more so than what we can do here. Father, we pray for Melissa LaSage, who, as of this morning, was back in ICU. They say her kidneys are failing, Lord, and that'll kill you. And so we ask you, Lord, for healing. We ask you, Lord, to lead her to yourself in a very true and certain way and put her on the road to serving you every single day. We pray for all those girls. They love her. They will be hurt and aching even now. Coriana was afraid yesterday with her mom in the hospital. I remember saying, people don't die from allergies in the hospital. The whole thing started with a bee snake. But that's not what it's all about. We know, Lord, that you know exactly what's going on in her body. And you can heal it. And for those who are here today, we pray for little Zayda who's, quote, quarantined, unquote, even though he's not sick. We're grateful for that. We pray that uh, you with RJ, who's dialing in electronically, and that you'd help them both grow. They could talk about Jesus, and a father and son could talk about Jesus and learn and grow. We, we pray that for ourselves every day, that fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and people will love you. Sit around and just talk about Jesus, or stand around, work around, talk about Jesus. And Lord, we want to talk about Jesus now. So help us sing. Help us worship you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Yay. We prayed. Here they come. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. So um, before we go into inspirational, I know you probably got something. If you don't got something, think for a second. Okay. What has the Lord been saying to you? But I just want to share. This just like leapt into my heart as we were singing that song toward the beginning there. And, uh, and I went, Lord, I know that's there. Where is it at? I couldn't remember. And I opened my Bible and I looked in the general vicinity and I found it just like that. So I knew, yeah, you know, because, you know, it's not easy to find something that you remember where it's at. Unless it's one of those classic verses, you know, where you go, like a theme too, I go right with that. Down. You go, sometimes you go looking in here, where is that at exactly? Especially because this happens to be in the Psalms, all right? And so singing that song, and I was, this is what I was thinking of. Let me back up one second. I'm going to go to verse four. It says, uh, no, verse 5. It says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of thy confidence upon us, O Lord. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. More than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For thou alone, O Lord, does make me to dwell in safety. And I was thinking about that in the light of today. I know there have been, there's lots of reasons probably to be upset. You know what I'm saying? You go on Facebook, they'll give you a bunch of reasons to be upset. There's a lot of people disagreeing all over the place. People being mean to each other. Uh, there's lots of reasons. Obviously the pandemic, I was, you get, get, take a good hard look at what COVID is and what it can do to you or to your family, whatever. You might start to get fearful. You know what I'm saying? Or, or upset, angry. Right? Everybody thinks somebody else should be doing it a different way. And so on. There's lots of reasons. To be upset, to be angry, to be down and out, whatever. Some of us got serious health concerns. Trying to figure out what we're going to do. People dealing with job issues, relationship issues, etc. Trying to figure out what it is that we're going to do. Lots of reasons to be anxious, doubtful, wondering. Question even that what we know God has said to us and what we know God is planning on doing. And the psalmist said this way. Many are saying who will show us any good. Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of thy confidence upon us, O Lord. That means God's face. Look at us and shine the light of your presence into our lives. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. More than when their grain and new wine abound. More than when you have abundance. More than when you have enough money. More than when you have enough resources. More than when things seem to be all good and there's nothing to be worried about. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For thou alone, O Lord, that's make me dwell in safety. Who are you trusting in today? Who's going to take care of it? If it goes bad. If it goes the absolute worst it could go in this lifetime. You die. You trusted in the Lord. Going straight to heaven. We're going to sing. We're going to dance. We're going to live for an eternity. You're going to eat better food than you've ever tasted in your life. Lay down on a better bed if you choose to. And then you've ever tasted in your life. Go anywhere you want at any time. Serve the Lord for eternity. If it should go the worst it could possibly go. Now I guess there is a worse way. You could not trust the Lord. You could turn from the safety provided. You could say, no, Lord, I don't need you to take care of my every concern. That would be a worse way. And maybe then you wouldn't have that great gladness in your heart that God provides. Man, God is so good. 
at a time in my life when I thought all I was okay. I had all the finances, I had all the house, I had a beautiful wife, I had a child and a child coming and so on. I realized that you can be happy about whatever's going on in your life, but you need a greater gladness, a greater joy. That's how the word, that's how King James Version translates that verse. A greater gladness have you put in my heart. Praise God, he is good. Alright, how about you? What have you been reading? What have you been seeing? Jason Shore. Last name, do you know? Are they all star? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna play for the star. Okay. But she's also got a friend. Who was in the accident with her? Yeah, but she's only our friend. Okay. Well, praise God that they survived. It is star. It is star, not star. H L. We pray for the star family. All right. Okay, and as I mentioned in my opening prayer, Melissa Lasage got moved to the ICU overnight, as, and they're right now saying she has kidney failure. So pray for her. She's not obviously not a member here, but her, a number of her kids are. So uh, they're very concerned about her. Others, what else you got? Something that's not a prayer request, but something you read or something you saw. Brother Tony Tate. What did God say to you, Mackinac Island, man? Come on. I watched all those videos. It's phenomenal what you saw. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a little videos or pictures. Um, that's a great video to saw. Um, I always say, for the last of our, to encourage, re encourage, remind, refine, redefine who we are in Christ and who we're not, who God is, and who God is not. So, um, had a great time. I'll tell you that. But like, it was funny, like that. I was there for three days, we just said one day, that was enough for me. And I was just thinking, of, I started searching the scriptures, you know, it says, you know, uh, just one day, you know, in your courts is better than thousands elsewhere. I was, and one day was enough. It was beautiful. I got to like 5,000 stars in the I'll talk about that later. But, um, so I was just, uh, Trying to keep this real short because like, I was like, I can make a sermon out of this, but not going We're going to get more later. Yeah. A little bit. There's a, a <laughs> lot of stuff that I've been just kind of viewing through the Word, and uh, I'm going to cut off on that one. But this is something just recently, just was all talking about. You know, Jesus said, who do you say I am? You know, and it was like, and I've been saying that to myself, who do you, who do you say you are, God? Who do you say you are? And uh, we were talking about meditating on the Word of God. And, and, um, you know, taking things in. And so, uh, I was just telling Pastor Dan the day, like, what I listen to is what people say the most. Like, you know, like, it, it's fear, whatever it is. And then when I hear that, that's probably the least thing I think about because that's just everybody's flesh crying out and say whatever they want. Sure. And so, when I hear people say these things, I understand we're all considered, but, you know, people say, well, prayer's out of school, you know, this is happening and this is happening and this. And, and, and that's true, and, and, and but in the in the light of that, because that's not the light. I always say, well, where's God? At? They didn't take God out of school. They, they may have taken parts from God, but God's not gone. Right. It, God's it, there's nowhere where God's like says, oh no, you got me. You know, it's like 
he's not shriveled, he's not shrunk. And so, you know, like, that's just the, my biggest thing I've been thinking about is that, you know, we hear people saying things and, and you know, it's like, you have to say, well, where's God? You know, it, it, besides all that stuff that we hear all the time. And so, you know, my inspiration today is that I'll tell you what God's doing. I'll tell you what God's doing right now. God wants us to live for Him and do everything that is right for His righteousness. Yeah. That, that, there is no other, like you can think of other things, but just I don't think that's it. There's nothing else to think about. God's going to continually say, yeah, here I am. I'm not going anywhere. Nope, I'm not afraid. I'm not perverted. I'm not over here. I, and not against any of us in sanctification walking around. I don't need to get baptized. You know, he got baptized, you know, to fulfill all righteousness. He did all that he was supposed to do. You know, but, like, he doesn't need any more steps. He's always here. God's Spirit has always been here. He's been ever-present in all times of trouble. He's ever-present anyways. You know, and so just a reminder, just in... You know, just an encouragement. Like I said, or re-encourage. Maybe you already know this. But people say, I already know this. But you know it, go do something about it. You know it, use it. If you know it, um, praise the Lord again. Take it within, you know. Don't just know it, but, you know, make it so much more than it is. You know, because we have the, I, like, I never liked this song. I mean, it's a great song, but you still, because the title is just so sad, but the best kept secret in my generation it should not be the best kept secret yeah. but it still is one of the best kept secrets you know but it literally should be publicly proclaimed that Jesus is risen that Jesus died that Jesus suffered all he suffered all sin everything and came back in victory and anybody that has that relationship his righteousness nails away our unrighteousness that we are no longer have to live the unrighteous we can choose that now but it's no longer a choice in Christ he, and and I'll finish with this. And I said I didn't get into court, but I've been saying this a lot now. You know, God sees me perfect in Christ. He sees all of us. Those are Christians. And maybe on Facebook you need this reminder is that God sees us perfect because he doesn't see us anymore. He sees the blood that was spilled, the, the land that was slain. The Father suppresses all wrath, all of it, none of it. He has no beef of us anymore right now. Because we're perfect in Christ. Amen. God's perfecting us through His Spirit. God's Spirit is working in us every day to make us more like Him. To reveal more of who He is. And, and reveal more of what we should not be. You know, this is God's work. It's not our work. That's why no one can even, you know, you can pray, you can encourage. You could even, if God's allowing you to, to, uh, to be there for it, but nothing you can do. Because it truly is God's work. Then no one can boast someday in heaven. No one's going to say, I did this. No, they're going to say, glory to God, it was all you. Yeah. And the third thing is, and this is the great part, you don't put your hands up in the air, put your hands up in the Spirit. Praise Him for this. But the day is coming, we just sun in heaven. Someday, we will be perfect with Christ. Someday, even brothers and sisters that are failing, frail, I, you got to understand, it's not over. You know, I, I've been through a 10-year absolute, like I feel like I was out, I just, like I just said, I just stepped out of the Twilight Zone. Everybody knows that shows where you go into a zone and you can't get out, you know, and I finally got out. And I'm actually, I've been in so much, like, I don't know where I've been, but I'm thankful that, you know, I, I actually can be through New Heights, through many brothers and sisters. I just thank God for everybody and everything that God does through His creation and the Creator Himself, the Spirit of living God. If it wasn't even here, I wouldn't even be able to be. And it goes for everybody. And I'm not trying to say, say hallelujah. It don't matter. Hallelujah is already there. 
You know, and so I'm just saying someday we'll be perfect. Amen. There will be a day we won't be flawed. There will be a day like that. And the world will have to bow down and say every knee and every time confess that Jesus is Lord. And then they'll have to defend themselves against their own unrighteousness. And I don't want to say it, but it has to be told because it makes the perfect holy judge. They'll all be banished forever in hell, condemned by God's own wrath that they chose to have. God's love and His holiness and His true perfection at the cross. Alright, alright. Hey, did you know there's more stars in the UP than there is here? I mean, not actually, right? <laughs> you just see a lot of stars over there. It's, so, it's dark and there's no lights and, and you can see like the, the water just goes on forever and I would look up and see just so many stars. And uh, you go out the country, you can see more stars than you can in the city, but... But there's so many stars. What a blessing. God is so good. Yeah, God, you're absolutely right. Hey, we're going to play a game. Everybody, Jason, put that down. I want to see it again. Thank you, sir. I love you. All right? Okay. So we're going to play a quick game. All right? So I hope you're here uh, as a follower of Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not, it's okay. Because God still loves you. still speaking in your heart. still convicting you of sin. still leading you in the right direction. So uh, if you are a follower of Lord Jesus Christ, you can be a mouthpiece for God. That means you know what God would say on certain subjects. Okay? This is what Tony Tate was kind of touching, all right? So this is a response time. I'm going to ask you a question. And then all together, after just a short delay, we're going to answer the question. Okay? Now, you may ask a question differently than somebody else that's near you or whatever. I hope not. I hope we all can kind of, kind of, kind of agree, but it's okay. There aren't any wrong answers. But the answer, the question is, what would God say on this topic? All right? Some of them are going to be easy. I don't know, but it depends on how the Lord leads. I haven't written this down, so... This is in the spirit, I think. All right, so here we go. First of all, does God love all people? Yes. Yes. That was an easy one, right? Um, is God bigger than your current problem? Yes. Okay. This is a little harder. Does God want you to work harder? Yes. Thank you. You answered like that. You were ready to work, man. You heard from the Lord. Okay, good stuff. Can God can forgive your worst sin? Will God forgive your worst sin in any way other than Jesus? Oh. See, these are leading questions, right? Somebody else? Somebody got a question in the room? You got a question in your heart? Ask a question. We'll answer it. Anybody? You don't have to. If you got a question, you can ask it now. One once. One twice. All right, Tony. Is God ever present and always here at all times? All right. Is God always here? Yes. Yes. Good. Anybody else? Yes. Right here. And we do all things through his son who strengthens us. Oh, he cheated. He used a verb. All right. So, <laughs> can we do all things through his son who strengthens us? Yes. yes. The God's kids better get that one right now. Right? That's a key verbs. All right. Somebody over here have a question? Sean, did you have a question? No? Okay. Anybody else? One once. And twice. All right. So in praise, we speak up for our God. You will hear things about who God is as we sing these songs. And you will sing things about who God is, or meditate on them if you're not a singer type. And I hope you are, because we all praise the Lord. The Bible commands to praise over and over and over again. So, Alright, so we're going to pray briefly, and then we have the uh, opportunity to give tithes and offerings as the Lord leads, and then a little more worship, and then to the Word. Okay? Jason, would you pray for us? Remember the tithes and offerings? Would you do that? Alright, nice and loud. Holy, 
Amen. Thank you, brother. Brother Brainsaw. <laughs> yeah, because that's not weird at all.
minute, the computer shut down, so they had to bring it back up.
Before we begin, I just want to uh, talk briefly about a concept that you're extremely familiar with but rarely ever talk about, and that is choosing the better thing. Um, so uh, recently, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the soup and salad combo. I like soups and salads. Soups are uh, good for you if you get the right kind. Salads are good for you if you get the right kind. been trying to be healthy. And um, they used to have a little soup and salad combo at Bob Evans, and I would like to go there and eat it. And then recently they changed their menu to now have the soup and salad combo and they have the premium salads, the good salads, like with chicken in it and stuff like that on there. That costs $2 more. And I'm going to say that's probably what I'm going to order until they change their menu again and take it away because I like those salads and I like those soups. That's, I see that as better. I think it's probably better for me. Sometimes you choose the better thing. Uh, was that up at the flea market in Michigan? I'm walking through. And I train my kids, this is how we do flea markets. We walk through the flea market and you look for something you think you might want to buy. And then unless it's something that you're really afraid somebody else is going to buy or something you need it right now or whatever, you mark where it's at and you go back. Went up to the flea market. Ariana got super excited about buying this squishy thing that she wanted to buy. Uh, she was like, but somebody else might buy it. It's the last one they have. And I said, oh, well, if you really feel that way, it's your allowance. You can buy it if you really want to. And she says, well... No, I guess I'll just mark where it's at. And then we walked through the flea market and found like three other places selling the same item. And one of those places was a dollar cheaper. But it was the exact same thing, literally the same exact thing. And of course she bought it and then she was all happy with herself because, because she just marked the spot and she waited and she found it better, right? It was the same thing. It wasn't better, but it was a little cheaper. Sometimes better is what makes more sense and efficiency, what's going to use more of your resources or what's going to use less of your resources. And if it's the same thing, then less resources is better, right? This makes sense. What you do, you get out of bed in the morning, uh, you got to put your socks on, you pick a pair of socks out and they don't match. Well, here's another pair of socks that does match. And you're like, well, I don't care which ones I wear really, but may as well wear the ones that match, right? Because they're a little better. Or you go to put a pair of socks on, it's got a hole in the bottom. You think, well, that could bother me today. I think I'll wear the ones that don't have a hole in the bottom. It's what's better. We do this all the time, choosing what's better. So I know whether you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ or not, you have that skill. You can choose the better thing if you can see it for what it is. And so we're going to look at a text in the Bible today, and it's from Acts chapter 20. Maybe get a little excited. We usually hoot, holler, amen. Do this with me today as this activity, if you would. As I announce the exact verses, I'm just going to say, you make some kind of noise. You might Yahtzee or Uno or just release a little stress and say, okay, Lord, we're looking to your word. And we're going to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Thank you for participating in my little object lesson. From here on out, it's all God all the time. Not that it hasn't already been, but I didn't write what we're about to read today. The Lord did, as inspired by His Holy Spirit. And we're going to read this text and we're going to break it down. Now, before we begin... Remember, keep it in your head. I'm looking for the better thing. By the time we read the text through, it's 18, 17 to 35, it's 18 verses. By the time we read it through, you will already be able to pick out several things that are better than other things. Okay? Alright, so here we go. I'm just going to explain a little bit as we go through. We're not going to dig in real deep or anything, and then I'll come back and show you some of the better things that I spotted. And I think this Lord led. 
Acts 20, beginning in 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Okay, so let's set this in a period of time. Paul has, is now in a part of time in his life where he's headed back to Jerusalem. He, as you'll see in the text later, he believes he'll be arrested, persecuted there. It's not going to go well. And uh, he, he's on the western coast of Turkey, which is still an area that you can find on a map today. And there's a um, city there called Miletus. And about 25 to 30 miles away, there's a city called Ephesus. Now, Ephesus might be a city that you're sort of familiar with the name with. Um, Ephesians, the book of the Bible, Ephesians, was written to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus is named in the book of Revelation. Uh, <clears throat> and they're, co- they're corrected, if you will, in the book of Revelation. they got some good things and some bad things there. So he stops in the city of Miletus, and 25 to 30 miles away is the city of Ephesus, and he summons the church elders, the leaders, if you will, the overseers, you call pastors, maybe deacons as well, whatever, the leaders in the church at Ephesus, and he summons them to come and talk with him. Now, he can do that because he's got a reputation. He's known, and they want to talk with him, right? And so he summons them. Now, did he summon them to come on uh, walking or on horseback? Or by carriage, text doesn't say, we don't know. But the truth is, he's in a relative hurry to get to uh, Jerusalem. He's trying to make it there before Pentecost, before the celebration of Pentecost, which was the day in which God's Holy Spirit came and settled on in, in people, right? And so, he's trying to get there before then. So we know he doesn't really want to linger around too long. In fact, that's why he didn't go directly to Ephesus himself. But he's in Miletus, and he asks the leaders to come. He may ask when he gets there. He may have sent a message on ahead. We don't know the exact details of how he did it, but we know he doesn't want to linger too long. He sends the message, and the elders come. And it says, and when they had come, he said to them. So now we're going to get a synopsis, maybe a literal text, but more likely it's just kind of like a summary of what he said to the leaders when they came. They talked for a while, so it could have been more, much more than just this. But this is sort of a summary. He says, you yourselves, so speaking to the elders, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humidity, humility, sorry, and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. And so it's a mouthful, but here's basically what he's saying. I'm here. You know that every moment that I've been here, I've been living for God delivering the message that I was supposed to and so on. And I went through a lot of junk, a lot of trouble. And a lot of that trouble was started by people from the Jewish religion who were against what I was talking about. Okay? In verse 20 it says, How I did not shrink from declaration to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Okay? So he says, I didn't back off. I didn't slow down, I didn't quit, even when I was persecuted, even when I was stoned, even when they beat me up, all those kinds of things. Kashaw, kashaw, listen to me, okay, all right, thank you. All right, and so, he says, I didn't back down, rather, I taught you everything that's really profitable, everything that will help you to grow, everything you make you move forward. I was teaching you publicly out where everybody could see me. And get upset with me, and that's why a lot of my troubles maybe happen. And also from house to house, going from one house to another, talking about these important things. Verse 21. I was solemnly, that means taking it very seriously, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God 
and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, he breaks down everything that's profitable into sort of two categories. And one is talking about repentance toward God, and I'll come back to that later. And the other is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus and what Jesus has done and what Jesus is currently doing and what Jesus is going to do. So it's all about Jesus. All right. Verse 22, it says, And now behold, in other words, look at this now, here we go, bound in spirit. Okay, now your text may translate this a little bit differently because the word spirit here is the literal word spirit. And the question is, was he bound in his human spirit or was he bound in the Holy Spirit of God? So push forward to do it specifically by the Holy Spirit of God. We really don't know which he meant. In the, old, in the Greek, there's no capitalizing. So in the English, when you see it capitalized, that usually means the Spirit of God. But in the, the Bible that they were reading, the Greek, the Aramaic, and like that, there was no capitalizing. You couldn't, you couldn't just use the word Spirit and guarantee you were talking about the Spirit of God. I submit to you, he probably wasn't talking about the Spirit of God because he probably would have used the phrase the Spirit of God. It's just one extra, one extra word, that ooh, one extra word in the original language, and he didn't use it. So he probably wasn't. And the New American Standard agrees with me and translates it that way. It says, and now, behold, bound in spirit. So in other words, bound in my spirit, if that's true. I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Notice he didn't have a head knowledge. He didn't know the actual facts for sure of what was going to happen. Except, in this verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit, now he definitely is referring to the Spirit of God because he uses the two-word name, Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's um, it's basically pneuma agias, I think, in the Greek. But anyway, the point is, it's Holy Spirit. Solemnly testifies, in other words, very seriously, very importantly, very uh, peacefully even, testifies to me in every city. So in other words, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit says to me, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So I'm going to be chained up, I'm going to be beat up. I'm going to be persecuted. So that's what I know the Holy Spirit has told me is going to happen when I get there. Verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Now, that's confusing language in the English, but it's because it's a translation. Basically, he's saying, all that I have, all that I am, my life, it's nothing for me to take into account. It's nothing for me to think is really important in order that I may finish my course. I have to do all that God has given me to do, not quitting until the very end, basically. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, and he's going to kind of break down what that ministry is, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, this isn't necessarily going to reoccur in the points, but I want you to see there, he gave us a two-point summary. It was repent unto God. In other words, turn to God right, and believe in Jesus. And now he gives us a kind of a simple overview and he calls it the, the gospel of the grace of God. So you could say that the, when people ask you, what is the gospel of the grace of God? You could say that it is repent and turn toward God and believe in Jesus. You could break that down by two points. I've had people ask me before, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel of the grace of God could be broke down as saying it's these two things. Repent, turn toward God. Repent means turn, from your, or think anew, right? Think again, turn toward God and believe in Jesus and what he did, what he's doing, what he will do. Almost done with the text. And now behold, I know that all you among whom I want went about preaching. Now, all of you, you, you saw me. I was amongst you preaching the kingdom of God. 
I will see, I'm sorry, I'm say, will see my face no more. In other words, this is it. This is my last visit. I'm going away, and the Spirit has told me I'm going into bondage and affliction. I will not be back. And that had to come as a heavy statement for them. Therefore, because I will not be back, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, I, whatever happens, I have made myself or circumstances have made me innocent of whatever happens. It's not my fault. Because or for, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. In other words, you could say here is another sort of overview of the message or the, uh, kind of summary piece, the whole purpose of God. What is the whole purpose of God? The whole purpose of God is that all people would repent toward Him, would turn back to Him, and they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That is the grace of God. That is the gospel or the truth, the true story of the grace of God. And now it's called the whole purpose of God. That's powerful stuff right there. God is not about anything else. Uh, does He heal the sick when we pray? Sure. But He doesn't heal the sick when we pray because the sick are sick. He doesn't heal the sick when we pray because we pray. He heals the sick because He is God and He is about the whole purpose of God, which is that people will turn to Him and believe in Jesus Christ. 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. In other words, pay close attention, watch out. And He's going to tell us why. He says, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Again, there is the ministry of the Holy Spirit picking out people amongst the flock to guard and protect the flock and to lead and teach in the church and so on. Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. Notice there is a really important kind of equation there. God purchased, Jesus purchased His church with His own blood. That makes us pretty important. I know that after my departure, savage wolves, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise. Get that. From the people that were standing right there listening to Him as He was teaching and telling them what the Gospel is, what the important mission is, what God's all about. Even from amongst them, even from amongst those who are gathered there, will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. So they would come and teach a teaching that was not godly, it was not part of the core teaching, and try to draw away some people under that teaching. Verse 31. Therefore, be on the alert. Pay attention. Look out. Remembering that night and that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. In other words, I begged you, I corrected you, I told you what was right for three years, night and day. And now I commend you to God as I give you over to the Lord and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's what the real church, that's what God's people, the real church, those who follow the Lord and the simple teaching that is God's teaching, that's what they have. An inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. Sanctified means made holy, made righteous. You could say fixed, but it isn't fixed, it's reborn. It's completely recreated. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourself know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In other words, he took care of his own needs and those who were with him. 
And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, so in this lifetime there is work that must be done, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Does anybody know in the New Testament in which verse Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive? Does anyone know why no one knows which verse in the New Testament in which Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive? What? Because there isn't one. (laughs) That's right. There isn't a verse like that, is there? There isn't a verse like that. Because it's not recorded in the New Testament when Jesus said these exact words, it's more blessed to give than receive. So which I would say to you then, I don't think it should be in red text. Do you agree? Where the red text is always the quoted words of Jesus Christ. It's when Jesus is speaking. This is in red, except there isn't anywhere in the New Testament. Now, it doesn't say he didn't say it, right? And if you take it as a summary teaching of what Jesus taught, for example, Jesus said, the greatest amongst you shall be your servant. And when you, when you serve, you surely give of yourself, your time, your talents, and your money, right? And so it fits. It's not unbiblical. It's not against the teaching. But it's either a summary teaching, a lot of, about what Jesus said, is one thing that kind of sums up a lot of what Jesus said, or it's an under-teaching, meaning Jesus taught, and we can extrapolate from what he taught, that it is more blessed to give than to receive, right? But Paul says it's what he said. And so we know it's part of the teachings of Jesus, at least, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I, and I will tell you that that was almost the, the title of this sermon. And I studied on it, I prayed on it, I meditated, and I thought about it. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Well, psychologists and sociologists and doctors of all kinds will tell you that people who give are happy people. They're psychologically stable people. If they give out of anger or bitterness or reluctantly, that's different, right? But if you're able to help someone, you feel better helping them. You feel better being able to serve them, being able to give them. And that has nothing to do with being a Christian. It's just that it's good for you. It's good for human beings to be able to give. You see, you see something needs to be done. Somebody drops something. Somebody uh, has a bill they need paid or they need a word of encouragement or, you, or they could be prayed for, they could be talked to or they could be given a sandwich when they're hungry or whatever. Right? And when you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart, goodness comes out of your heart. That's also said in the Word, not only talking about speech, but also said by, about actions, that what comes, what comes out of a man that makes him unclean, and I submit to you that is then also what comes out of a man that makes him clean. It's a healing thing. If you don't do it because Jesus said to do it, if you don't do it because it's the right thing to do, if you don't do it because it's the best way, then do it just simply because it's better for you. I get ahead of myself a little bit, obviously, don't I? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, almost done. 36. The topic changes a little. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they should see his face no more. And they were accompanying him to the ship. All right? So that ends the text. And we know what happens. He goes on to the ship and he goes on a couple of stops, but he winds up in Jerusalem and indeed he is afflicted and indeed he is, is bound. All right. So there's a few things in here. I mean, you might see more. It's okay. But the ones that the Spirit led me to focus on aside a three-point sermon, it's actually six. But don't worry, they'll go by fairly quickly. Number one, 
there is a better message. Paul showed us clearly by this teaching that there is a better message. We talk about a lot of things. That's a fact. We've got a lot of things we've got to tell people. But don't do it that way because you'll mess it up. Don't do it that way because somebody will get hurt. You know, behave yourself. Don't, don't overspend. You know, don't waste your money. I mean, we tell a lot of people a lot of things. But there is a better message. Look at the better message in this text in verse 20 and 21. So we'll go back up to 20 and 21. And he says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The message is repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you can do whatever you want. You were born a human being, a creator, and a destroyer. You're intelligent. You're capable. You're strong in whatever way you are strong. Some people are strong physically. Some people are strong in their steadfastness and they won't quit. Some people are strong because they're bullheaded and stubborn. Whatever. You have strengths that are built into you. But ain't no strength taking you into eternity. There is a way to transcend this life, whether you live 20 years or 50 years or 100 years. And the way to transcend this life, to go beyond death, your greatest enemy, you can be the most creative author or producer in the world, and when you die, people will enjoy your works after you are dead and gone. If you do not conquer death, ultimately all that you have done and created for you will come to an end. It may exist for others. You may raise your children, your grandchildren well, and they may be blessed immensely by having you in their lives. But once you die, if you do not conquer death, all of that is gone. But if you can overcome death by some means, then there is an eternity of life beyond there. And the truth is that we all, in some sense, overcome death because there is an eternity either with God in heaven through Jesus Christ or an eternity in hell separated from God. God does not want to send people to hell. God is not a, a, a malicious dictator up ahead saying, well, that person's going to hell, that person's going to heaven. And because of that, Jesus Christ died on the cross for sins so that anyone who would believe could receive a new heart, be born again, and immediately overcome death. Will your body still die? Yes, but you will live eternally in heaven with God. There is no better message Notice that it's that primarily and then turning to God is sort of part and parcel. Right? People always make it about repenting from sin. I'm into drugs or I'm into sex or I'm into watching things I shouldn't watch or whatever and I'm going to turn away from that sin that I can name and turn to God. And it's not how it's done. I'm sorry. We want it to be because we can, we can figure that out. We, listen, you can say to yourself, well, I lie and I see how that's not working out for me and so I'm going to turn away from lying and I'm going to do what's better. And I'm not going to lie because it hurts me. It causes me problems. I'm always trying to figure it out. I'm spending a lot of brain power and keeping my, li- my lies afloat and so on like that, right? And it could be whatever else you've chosen. You can see how that's bad and you can willfully choose to turn from it, but it will not overcome death. It will not give you eternal life. It will not make you abundantly alive and experiencing life in a new way. It will just make you a little better. Better. Maybe much better. But not better, better. Not better in Christ. Not better going to heaven. 
Not better born again. Not better abundant life. Not better seeing things that no one else sees. Not better feeling things that no one else feels. Not better hearing from the God of heaven. Not better like that. You want to repent of your sins? Go for it. I highly recommend it. Turn from them. Turn from them again. Turn from them again. Turn from them again if that's what it takes. Turn from them a hundred times. Turn from them a thousand times. Do it because it's better for you. But better still for you is to turn toward God. Even elsewhere in the New Testament, it says, repent of your sins and be baptized and you shall be saved. Notice it's repent of your sins. Now that's a problem, isn't it? How many sins you got? One? Dozen? Hundred? Could you ever count them? Could you ever figure out what they are? Could you ever know all of the things that you have ever done that's wrong? No, you can't. You will probably, I will probably do something today that is wrong, that is sin. And hopefully the Holy Spirit will go, hey, don't do that. That was wrong. And I'll turn to the Lord and I'll be forgiven and God will take care of it. It's all good, right? The bottom line is when you repent of sins, you repent of all sins. You can only do what you can do, what you know about, etc. But a proper valuation, a proper understanding is to say, I am letting my sins go. I am letting those things that I want go. And I am turning to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You put one foot on the ground, I turn from my sins toward God. You put another foot on the ground, I follow Jesus Christ as my Lord. That means He tells me what to do. My Savior means He paid the price for my sins. And now I'm saved. Now I'm born again. Now I'm going to heaven. Notice that He gives us a synopsis in 27. He says, For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Did you get out of bed with a plan? You got a plan tomorrow? A good friend of mine in the Lord recently reminded me that uh, that God says, if uh, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. God has one plan. So you know, he's got a, God's got a plan for my money. Well, that may be true, but it isn't the plan. So, well, God's got a plan for my time. Well, that may be true, but it isn't the plan. God has one plan for you, one plan for me, that's just one plan. His whole purpose is to love you from where you are to with Him. That's it. That's one plan, one purpose. That's why we can say God is love. That's why we can say God is holy. He's wholly different because everything about God and all that He is is oriented around one purpose and one purpose alone. Bringing you personally into His presence as His child to receive your inheritance and live for an eternity. That's it. And if you know that, and if you're living that, then He's working His purpose through you, which is to bring the person across the room, the person on your job, the person at school, anybody He possibly can to be with Him for an eternity. That's a better message. That's what we should be talking about. This really stepped on my toes a little bit, and I'll tell you why in the conclusion, but we'll come back to that. We're going to move a little faster on these other points. Notice that there is. Paul talks about a better service. We can serve. We can do things. And we should. But there is a better service. Amongst all service, there is a better service. And the service is, look at verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Listen to me, if God's purpose is all about bringing people to Him, then everything we do must come in line with that purpose in order that our service is a better service. You see people are hurting, you step up and you help them, and they feel better. You walk away. Maybe you'll come again sometime. They'll be hurting again and you'll help them. 
I want to say to you that that may as well be filthy rags. If there's no Jesus in it, that is so far down. And you say, but they were hurting and I helped them. Just like Jesus did. Jesus healed the blind and I'm helping people who are hurting. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But your life is called to be about God's purpose. And if you share the gospel, you deliver food, you do whatever, and you don't don't actually talk about Jesus and turning toward God as the purpose for our lives, you've missed the point. It is not a better service. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you want to flip there with me, you can. 2 Timothy. Now you know Timothy was a leader in the church as well, a servant chosen by God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Hear this, or read it with me if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul writes to Timothy, but having, have, but have, or in other words, let's just read it, but have nothing to do, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little, and I gave you the wrong reference, I apologize, is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since the whole promise to the present life and also for the life to come. And that beautifully ties in. Now flip over to 2 Timothy 4, 7. There we go. Sorry about that. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved His appearing. Don't you get it? And if you put those two verses together, which I hadn't, met, I hadn't planned on counting first, uh, quoting 1 Timothy 4.7, but it fits beautifully. This is what Paul told Timothy to do. You want to follow God? God's purpose is to bring you and anyone else possible close to Him. There is a better message. And there is a better service. Every time you serve, bring up Jesus. Every time you serve, ask for repentance to turn toward the Lord. You know what? It doesn't matter if they profess to be a Christian or not. You tell people, say, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Okay, repent, turn toward the Lord. And they're like, I don't need to. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, you do. You need again to turn toward the Lord today. Add in this better service. Everything that we do should include that purpose of which God is about. God, this is going to break your heart if you love people like I do. God is not interested in feeding people. God is not interested in giving people money. God is not interested in bandaging sore knees and comforting the brokenhearted. You still like, what? What do you mean? Listen to me. God doesn't need you to do that. He could do that himself. God is not saving people so that they can do little things for other people. He is saving people with His sole purpose in mind so that they can come to Christ. Now, there was a particular story where, which, which when I first read it really gave me some difficulty where Jesus was preaching the Gospel and He was healing people like crazy. And then overnight, people gathered and they filled the house and all around the house and people were paralyzed, people were sick, their kids were dying, they were blind, everything else. In the morning, really early, Jesus, before anybody else woke up, Jesus gets up and he goes out of the woods and he's praying. And then the disciples wake up and they say, There's all these people, wait, oh my goodness, we've got to find Jesus. And they run to the woods and they search the woods for Jesus. And they find him there praying, talking to God. And they said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you and we found you. Which I think is a great prophetic verse. Everyone's looking for you and we found you. And they try to bring Jesus back to the house to heal all those hurting people. You know what Jesus says? He says, No, let's go over here into this area and preach the gospel. For that's why I've come. 
I, I love people. God loves people. And God wants to help people. But helping them not be hungry, helping them not be hurt, helping them feel a little better about themselves, those things are not going to save their soul, which is God's business. Should we do those things along the way? Yes, Jesus did those things along the way. But you shouldn't do them without bringing in the two-part gospel, which is repent and turn toward God through Jesus Christ, His Son. You shouldn't. You just shouldn't. There is a better service. And it doesn't end in this lifetime. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ with the gospel of Jesus Christ, or the gospel of grace, as Paul called it. The next thing to see in the text there is, is to be a better steward. A better steward or have better stewardship. Right? Look at verses 33 to 35, or let's go 28 to 30 first. Verse 28 to 30 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among them, your own selves, among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. There is a better stewardship implied there. Look at 33 to 35. He says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs, to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in the manner you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He Himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know what better stewardship is? We're going to be earning, we're going to be giving, and we're going to be on guard. We're going to be earning, we're going to be giving, we're going to be on guard. Get your butt up and do what you got to do to make life better for you. And then out of that abundance, make life better for the people around you. And all the while, guard the number one teaching of Christ, which is only repent and turn toward the Lord and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what happens. People see things happening that they don't like. So we're going to look in there, we're going to search in Scripture really diligently. Oh, I found a psalm here where it says this little thing. Happens to mention that. So you can't do that. That's not the message of God. Churches out there say, well, girls got to wear long dresses, right? People got to come to church dressed up, or people got to do this or that. That's not the message of God. Should we follow the commands of Jesus each and every single one? Absolutely. But none of them, I tell you, none of them trumps this command. The purpose of God is this. Repent, turn toward the Lord, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get wrapped up in the minutia, that's the first step toward doing what they did what they would do. And we read in the book of Revelation in the Ephesus situation, we see that that's exactly what was happening. People begin to teach things that are not the Gospel. They're not about Jesus. We're going to have a class on biblical stewardship and talk about teaching and about tithing and finances, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But if there's no Jesus in it, we're not talking about Jesus and repenting, turning toward the Lord, giving God His place and believing in Jesus Christ, then we're not practicing better stewardship. Number four, there is a better commendation. I like this one a lot. It'll go by pretty quickly. Hold on to your hats. To prepare for departure 
Commend to God. We say, bye, see you later. What? Bye, see you later. So, it's nice to see you. That's nothing. So, you're telling me that your preference was that you saw me today, and you saw me today, so you've got your way. I'm very happy for you. Very nice. You're going to let somebody leave, walk out of your life? Do you understand that somebody get in a car, get in an accident, and die? And you may never see them again. We are acting like, oh, I'm going to see them again tomorrow. It's no big deal. I don't have to care about them. You know how many times I get off the phone with my wife and I don't say I love you and she doesn't say I love you back to me? Maybe one in 20. My wife knows I love her. I don't ever have to tell her I love her. And I hope you know I love you and I don't ever have to tell you that I love you. But I love you. And I commend you into the hands of the Lord. If I never preach before you again, if I, ever, if I never open the Word before you again, then understand, I commend you into the hands of the Lord. I am not making disciples of Dan. I am not making disciples of New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church. We are not making disciples of the Southern Baptist Convention, the Cooperative Program, North American Mission Board, or Northwest Ohio Baptist Association. We are not even, hold on, we are not even making disciples of the Bible. Stop it! We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are not, then you are going to hell. And I'm sorry, but that's just the facts of it. You will not learn and grow and be saved and have abundant life by anything you ever read. You will do so by turning toward God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how it's done. There is a better message, a better service, a better stewardship, a better commendation. Give your family, give your loved ones, give your friends, give your co-workers over into the hands of the Lord. You know what? This is really scary. You work alongside somebody for a few years and you never talk to them about Jesus. You never share the Gospel. And then you go and you switch jobs. And the last day on the job, you pack your little stuff in the box or you, you take your stuff out of your locker or whatever. And you go get in your car and you drive away. And in your mind you think, Lord, please lead them to You through Jesus Christ because I'm a slacker and I never said a word. You probably leave that last part off, don't you? You can't commend somebody into Jesus' hands, into God's hands. I was at a restaurant and I had a waitress come to the table. And I said, she come to the table twice. And uh, we were going to pray, and but when she came back and we were getting ready to pray, she just came and she dropped the stuff and she literally was there like a second and I didn't get a chance to say a word to her. And she walked away. And I said, Lord, you know, I don't know if she said her, her, her name was, uh, so I'm tipping my tongue, Haley. And I said, Lord, I don't know if Haley's saved or not. I said, but let somebody share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. I haven't got a chance to do that. I want to, but I haven't got a chance to do it. I said, let somebody share. And the Lord said, you had a chance. And I said, okay, I'm sorry. I repent. I meant to. I was, should have said something in the first time. We talked for a few seconds. I should have said something then. And then the second time, I didn't say nothing. And then the third time, she came back and we talked about it. It turned out she was a Christian. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. The Lord knew that. So why did the Lord say to me, you could have shared Jesus with her when she was already saved? Because there's nothing to do in this life that should not include the purpose of God. If you are about God's purposes, then your lunch should include the Gospel. Shame on you, you go out to eat and don't say the word Jesus. Shame on you, you clock in and don't say the word Jesus. We talked about this a few months ago. You don't bring up Jesus, evil spirits just playing all over the place. They're enjoying themselves. They know Jesus in the room. I can do whatever I want. Shame on us. We are the church of Jesus Christ. 
bought by His blood. And having been bought by His blood, we unite together with one purpose in mind. And that purpose is a better message, a better service, a better stewardship, a better commendation, a better goodbye. When He told them that He may not come again, they fell on Him. These are men on men kissing His neck. So sorry. No, no, we don't shake hands. <laughs> we don't want to shake hands. No, there's hand sanitizer. Shake hands for crying out loud. Carry it with you. Put your hand on their shoulder. You may never see them again. There's a better goodbye. It's a goodbye of love and submission. There is a better counsel. There's a better counsel. It's the Holy Spirit. It's all over this text. I got a brother of mine to this day who tells me the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to him. He's a saved follower, believer of Jesus Christ. He says, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me. He says, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where we, we know that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And I submit to you that it's here in verse 22 and verse 23 and verse 28 and all over the New Testament. The, the deacon Philip being told to leave the great revival which he was essentially leading and go out into the wilderness and encounter a man in a chariot. One man in a chariot. An Ethiopian, no less. Was reading from the book Isaiah and couldn't understand what he was reading. And Philip said, "What you reading there?" And he says, "Well, this is what I'm reading." And he says, "He says, do you understand it?" And the, guy, the Ethiopian says, "How can I unless somebody explain it to me?" And Philip got in and he told him that the God of the universe has one purpose to save souls, and that you need to turn from your sins, all sins, turn from your sins, turn more important than turning from your sins, turn toward God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did. And then the Ethiopian said to Philip, so here's some water. What's to stop me from getting down right now and getting baptized? And Philip got down on the water with him and he baptized him. And then Philip was gone like that. We don't know exactly where he was next, but he disappeared from the water and the Ethiopian went home and they, have, they wound up saving the most extant text that we have. The newest Old Testament and Bible that we have comes out of Ethiopia. God did that, preserving His Word. We come to our conclusion, but I'll repeat the points for you. Number one, there is a better message. It is, by now you know, turn to the Lord God. Turn from everything else and turn to the Lord God through His Son, Jesus Christ. and Have faith in Jesus. There is a better service. It's a service that includes that purpose, sharing the Gospel. And a service without that purpose in it is probably... Not a very good service at all. In fact, I submit to you, if you say you're all about Jesus, but all you do is serve and don't share Jesus, then people think that's what it means to be all about Jesus, is to serve and don't share Jesus. And so then, actually, you're probably leading people away from God, not to God. And that means you're not about His purpose. And then I would question whether or not we're saved. That's kind of scary. It's a better stewardship. We're going to be earning... We're going to be giving. Anything comes into your possession, you're thinking about, how can I get rid of this? Anything you start to cherish or treasure that's more important or becoming important, how can I give this up to the Lord, to other people? How can I make this about His purpose? And we're going to be on guard for teachers to come in that stand in contrast, even subtly, even very subtly, against the Gospel. There's a better commendation. We're going to give over everyone every time we see them. Give them over. I'm giving you over to the Lord. I may not see you today, tomorrow, next week. I may not see you ever again, but I'm giving you over to the Lord. And there's a better goodbye. Loving on people. Tell them you love them. Tell them you'll miss them. 
Tell them you'll be praying for them. And don't just say it, do it. A better counsel. Listen to God's Holy Spirit leading, guiding us, and directing us daily to His plan and purpose. In some sense, you can choose the better. You can look at the... You know, that makes sense. The truth is you probably can't choose the best. Because there's going to come a time where you're going to have to make a choice. And that choice is going to lead you somewhere you don't want to go to do something you don't want to do. Paul was going to Jerusalem to be bound and afflicted. The Spirit told him, you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to be bound and afflicted. Would Paul ever choose that as his better destination in himself? Maybe not. Led by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, because he realized it was what was best. Because God led him to understand what was best. I ask you to choose the better. Do what you can do. Know what you can know. Choose the better message, the better service, the better stewardship, the better commendation, the better goodbye, and a better counsel. But hear me now. I've left out the single most important piece of this. As Christians, as the Lord Jesus Christ leads us, guides us, has saved us, has forgiven us, and so on, we're going to eventually stand before God. And you're going to be asked about what you did with this life. Did you choose a better message? Did you choose a better service? Did you choose a better stewardship? Did you choose a better commendation? Did you choose a better goodbye? Did you choose a better counsel? And you might pick some other things out of there as well. Paul was able to say, I am innocent of the blood of everyone, of every man I have come in contact with. And he would mean every man and every woman. I am innocent of the blood around me of the people around me. I am not culpable for anybody who doesn't come to Christ. And hear me now, based on what I'm saying right now, if you're in this room and you don't accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior in earnest, you don't turn to God through Jesus Christ, His Son, in faith, if you don't, I am innocent of your blood. Because I'm telling you like it is. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Now tomorrow I may not be so innocent because I may run into somebody I may not do as good a job. But what do you want when you stand before the Lord? Do you want to be innocent of the blood of the people in your life? I'm not saying stand around and shake your finger at them. In fact, you won't find that in there, will you? If you can identify another person's sins, where is this? Turn to God and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in totality, past, present, future. Where is, I saw you, you're in sin, you need to repent. Where is it in there? It's not there. I'm not telling you to do that. Matthew 18 talks about accountability. Encourage people. Let's fight. Let's help people move forward. By the way, Matthew 18 accountability is all about this. People being able to repent of their sin and turn to God. And if you manage to lead a brother back from what they're doing this wrong, you say, I think that's sin. We should repent together. Turn toward the Lord together. Please do that and believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the one and only name under heaven, under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Please do that. That's all about loving them. It's all about commending them into the, into the Lord's hands. It's all about a better service. All about a better stewardship. All about a better goodbye. Because you're eventually going to walk away from them. And if you walked away from them when you knew they were in sin and you didn't stand up, you'd be culpable. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be found innocent before the Lord? Choose a better service. Choose a better message. Choose a better commendation. Choose a better stewardship. Choose a better goodbye. And certainly choose a better counsel. And you can do that. Which means, if you're capable of doing that outside Christ, then if you're here right now, you can say, okay, God, I hear you. You're telling me that I'm not choosing the better. And you can decide in yourself right now to choose the better. 
And if you're not saved, then you can understand that choosing the better means turning to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are saved, you can understand that choosing the better means submitting yourself to the best thing that God has for you. And as you serve, and when you say goodbye, commending people into the hands of the Lord, having faithfully told the truth about what God is up to, about who God is, is who God is, what His opinions are, etc., having stood up for Him to the end. Faithful to the end. It's not complicated. It's just choosing the better, like a better pair of socks or better clothing or a better place to be or a better meal or a better price. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can do it to the end into his presence. And if you're not, you can do it and become one. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's not what I'm asking you to do. It's what God's asking you to do. Through the Holy Spirit, through His servant Paul, through His Word, whatever you decide. You've heard it plainly, and I'll be found innocent having delivered it plainly. And if you'll join me in delivering it plainly everywhere you go, you too will be found innocent. And we'll stand before the tree in heaven and we'll worship and praise God and it'll be awesome having chose the better thing. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward at this time. We're going to have a closing hymn. This is going to end. Thanks for listening to this episode of New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church in East Toledo. We are located at 255 Hefner in Toledo, Ohio, 43605. That's where anyone who wanted to mail us anything would send our mail to. It's also where you'd show up for worship. If you want to come on a Sunday morning at 1130 or show up for Bible study discussion for adults at 7 on a Tuesday night or 630 for kids on a, also on a Tuesday night. We'd love to see you sometime if you want to come reach New Heights with us in person. Let's assume for a moment that you're listening from somewhere around the world. We now know that this podcast is available on every Alexa-enabled device in the world. So we know that there are people out there listening from all over the world. Well, share the podcast with friends and family. Follow us, learn and grow, and enjoy this free service provided by New Ice Fellowship Baptist Church. Also, check out our website, churchtoledo.com. Churchtoledo.com. On that website, you can look at what it means to be a member non-resident. That is to say, to have in your heart that you're part of New Heights Fellowship, that God is making you part of our church, but not be able to be with us for some reason, or be able to participate with us in the way that uh, we've determined makes a person a member. And so you can check that out online. There's lots of other things there. Check out our Your Thoughts page. Maybe pose a question or tell us what you've discovered in the Bible this week. God bless you as you serve right where you are, overcoming evil with good and reaching new heights in Jesus.